There's a lot of things in this old world That just do not make sense Like why there's so few believers on the firing line While so many others sit the fence But if you want to know where the word of God stands And believe it wants to use your feet and hands It's time to take your faith out of the seats And into the streets And come along with me If you only look Then you will see On WCN-TV Hi, everybody. Sorry, we're a little bit late here getting started. We had some technical issues, but I think we're all ready to go. This is uh, Tuesday, October 20, October 3rd, 2023. Our guest today really doesn't need an introduction, but I'm going to give you a little one anyway. Jamie Walden is with us today. I met Jamie quite a few years ago, and at that time he was living in Iowa. When I met him, he had already been a combat Marine, a police officer, a firefighter, a paramedic, and a missionary. And then he and his wife, Virginia, and their family stepped out in faith and moved to the mountains of Colorado, where they took on the challenge of rebuilding a badly deteriorated camp. Their ministry is dedicated to strengthening and equipping our identity in Christ as the warrior redeemed an identity that's been reduced, maligned, and assaulted on every front. The mission is to teach, train, and equip those with ears to hear to stand anew in their rightful place as more than conquerors in a kingdom that cannot be shaken. So, Jamie, welcome back to WCN-TV. It's been too long. Yeah, I think we, for... we looked you up. I think it was December of last year you were on. And um... Oh, no kidding. It's been that long, <laughs> huh? Well, it's good to, good to be back on with you, brother. I was, that was one of my favorite shows. It was you and Oliver North together. So we had two Marines. Oh, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. I remember it now. <laughs> yeah, it was cool. So any snow out there yet? Actually, uh, we just got a light dusting last night just in the, on the 14,000 foot peaks. But it's awesome because, you, you know, it's hot and sunny here and all the aspens are in color change and then the mountains are snow capped already. So it's a perfect combination. Oh, it must be beautiful. What's the temp? Uh, it's actually cooler today. It's only 60, but that's just for today. It'll, it'll warm up. Yep. Yep. I I was telling the folks before the show, it's been in the eighties here the last couple of days, but, uh, starting Thursday, we're back in the forties. So yeah, I was just in uh Minnesota and Wisconsin last week. So I wasn't, wasn't too far from you. I had to run out, run some errands for the ministry out there. And, uh, and when we left, they said, now it's 90 degrees. As soon as you left it, it turned 90 up that way. Yep, yep, it did, it did, and it was nice, so, but short-lived. Yeah. <laughs> well, I know it was quite a challenge when you took on uh, the camp. It's now known as the Cal- uh, Calico Buffalo Base Camp. 
And you and I are a lot alike in the way that um, when people tell us something's impossible, it just makes me want to do it that much more. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> but why don't we kick things off? We'll we'll kind of introduce you for those who don't know. Um, let's. Why don't we introduce you by talking about your book, Omega Dynamics? If you would just tell us and uh, you know our viewers what readers can glean from that. Yeah, sure. You know, the Lord burdened me after kind of my my different um, you know professional careers. What the Lord had allowed me to. Uh, graced me to be a part of, you know, from the Marine Corps to, you know, then getting a degree and then working with the U.S. Marshals a little bit and being a police officer, then a firefighter paramedic and kind of traveling the world doing uh, disaster response stuff for a while. Then we liquidated everything by the Lord's burden and threw off everything we had ever thought we knew about life and followed him uh, blindly by by faith. And we ended up being missionaries in the Dominican Republic for a couple of years and it was actually on returning from the Dominican Republic that the Lord burdened me to write the book. And actually not returning from the Dominican Republic, being fired from being a missionary in the Dominican Republic. And some of you who are more, uh, maybe more familiar with with uh, just me or the ministry or things that the Lord's done in my reality is, is I was actually fired specifically for talking about Jesus too much and making the other lukewarm apostate christian missionaries feel insecure about their faith i kid you not that's why they fired me they fired me for insubordination because they told me to stop talking about the things of the lord so much because the missionaries felt insecure and so um it was on that experience on returning where where i just had this this you know this burden and was at a pretty low place and and crushed and re being reduced by the lord but he was doing working out his wisdom all all along the way, but um, he uh, he just just opened my eyes to truly how late the hour was. You know, anything from from what's going on, you know, geopolitically, geostrategically, geostrategi you know, biblical prophecy and eschatology, what was going on, uh, uh, emerging technologies, the machinations of the global elite, the rise of hyper occultism, the impending astro catastrophism with different things going on with the uh, uh, what they're picking up in outer space and the nearing of Apophis and these different space bodies coming in. And so then combining all that into the reality of the lateness of the hour because of the spirit of the church, the spirit of the age, right? The latency in church age. So it was on having that peek behind the veil, for lack of a better word, like a Wizard of Oz moment, right? Uh, that the Lord burned me to write the book Omega Dynamics. And, uh, and, you know, the subheading of that is equipping a warrior class of Christians for the days ahead. And so the whole purpose of the book is understanding the lateness of the hour and understanding the signification of the depths of the apostasy that's going on in real time with the Christian church and the abandoning of the faith and the giving heed to the seducing spirits and the doctrines of demons. Like, what is what is it that the authentic believers need to be doing to prepare for our omega dynamics, right? Our powerful and effectual actions at the end of all things. And so that, that's what the book kind of walks through is how do we build our identity in Christ through a warrior modality, through the martial methods illustrated all throughout from Genesis to Revelation to actually be the fulfillment of Daniel eleven thirty two, which says that those who know their God 
At the time of likes of which it never has been, never will be again. Those who know their God will be strong and go forth and do daring feats of valor. So that's kind of the premise of the book is answering that question. Well, and I will, uh, I would, I would commend that book to you. It is, uh, it's life changing. It is not um, cotton candy uh, churchianity by any means. <laughs> so, um, powerful book, and um, says available on Amazon, but you can also get it at your website, right, Jamie? Uh, actually, no, it's just available on Amazon now. So unfortunately I just, I'm too far away from shipping and, and doing stuff like that anymore. (laughs) Okay. Well, you've got your hands full out there too. So yeah. Uh, Yep. That's for sure. So at some point, it it looks like my internet connection is terrible. I apologize for that. It's must be the mountains or something. I don't know. Well, you might be having a hard time seeing me, but you look really good to us. So, oh, okay, um, good, awesome. Your your send signal is is great. Okay, yeah. I'll take it. Yeah, we, we being where we're at in the mountains, everything is uh, we're at we're at a handicap on just about everything. Yeah. Well, so tell us about what what led you to Colorado um, from yeah, Iowa. Yeah, the, the Colorado thing is is actually a whole nother story of just, you know, the Lord calling us into walking by faith. You know, it really began actually in 2014 when the Lord um, required or asked me to go back to Iraq uh, and fight on behalf of our Christian brothers and sisters. And I think we've talked about that before, Rob, on your show. But uh, and and that's where kind of the Lord really started just transforming my paradigm and giving me his heart and his eyes and dying to like the American paradigm of, you know, debt and death and get your retirement, get your RA, get your pension, put the addition on your house and then buy your RV and travel around the country when you retire. Right. And then Mm -hmm. sprinkle a little bit of Jesus on it and you're good to go before God. So, so in 2014, that's when the Lord really started tearing down uh, you know, I guess the double-minded uh, churchianity, even Jelly Fishton kind of reality, as Coach Dave likes to say, and and um, opening my eyes to the a kingdom mindset, like truly an unrestrained kingdom mindset where we've counted the cost of being all in for Christ. And after having counted the cost, we counted as nothing compared to the inexpressible glory of knowing him and being unified with him. And so after going back and, and uh, embedding with the Peshmerga and, and fighting against ISIS on behalf of the Christians at the time I this was a part. And this is after you were no longer in the Marine Corps, right? Yeah, I'd been out for a long time. I was way out of the game. And uh, I was a firefighter paramedic at the time and had a construction company and in-ground pool and doing the doing the American thing, right? But honoring the Lord because that's what good stewardship looks like. And the Lord had to completely tear down those paradigms. So it was actually, uh, you know, after that, where I realized uh, after that experience with the Lord, that nothing would ever be the same for us again. And we liquidated our reality, surrendered everything, and just really committed to to following the Lord by blind faith, no matter where he leads us. And that took us to the Dominican Republic, took us to another thing, took to the book being ri- written. Actually, the book is the hardest thing I've ever done in my entire life. I'd go back to war a hundred times over before ever, (laughs) ever writing a book that was written just out of obedience. I wanted nothing to do with it. uh, But the Lord said, I'll frustrate all your plans until you're obedient to what I'm asking you to do. 
And, and this is uh, why I cannot get Jamie to write a monthly column for Wisconsin Christian. <laughs> no, yeah, you've asked. I'm like, <laughs> nope, I don't even read books. Why would I write one? I was like, when the Lord asked me, he said, write what I tell you to write. I'm like, Lord, I don't even read books. Why would I write a book, you know, and uh, and having that kind of dialogue with the Lord. But anyways, that kind of lit up to um, uh, we were pretty comfortable, I guess you would say, you know, and. And uh, by God's grace, started being able to travel when the book came out and speak and obviously got connected with you, Rob, and other guys and was traveling a lot around a lot and and doing some, you know, preaching, teaching, speaking stuff, but also tactical training for the church body. Um, Actually, in Wisconsin a couple of times. And and I love doing that kind of stuff. And then uh, the Lord uh, upset our apple cart once more and said, I'm telling you to go to Colorado, Colorado, follow me where you lead or, or follow me where I lead. And my first thought was Colorado, that place is full of libtards. No way. Like that's my language, right? Like mm-hmm. I'm a little rough and done. I'm like, no way. Never. Like, I, obviously I would like that mountain lifestyle. I do adventure sports and there's carnal appeal to Colorado but I'm like, no way. They they're the most rep. It's one of the most reprobate states. They have the worst homeschool laws. They're gonna lock a guy like like me up instantly. I don't do well about around the alphabet soup, Jezebel women ruling and reigning every aspect of the liberalism culture. I don't play well with those kind of people. And yet the Lord said, "I you said you'd follow me anywhere. I'm telling you, go to Colorado." And uh, now you get to choose. You get to choose obedience or can disobedience. I, can I tell you a quick story? Yeah. <laughs> so my son and his his family live there. Um, they're probably, I guess it's maybe an hour and 15 minutes away from your camp. But yeah, uh-huh. um, they had originally started out in Durango. And apparently Durango is like an ultra liberal center place. Um, so anyway... Um, my son's wife took his truck out one day and went to the store. And um, um, while she was in the store, the truck was badly vandalized. I mean, badly vandalized. And she came out and saw what had happened. And two lesbians came up to her and apologized for doing that and basically they told her well we we destroyed the truck um because we thought it was a man's truck and we're so sorry (laughs) and so they called the police on themselves and you know confessed to it but um that's durango that's that's the area and yep um, yeah and that's that's right where we're at and so it's just crazy like of all places the Lord called us out here and then we ended up, it was never our plan and we ended up doing a church plant. And so now we have a church here and we're right smacking the enemy held territory. And, and yet our church body is just radiant and they're on fire for the Lord. And, and uh, God's doing all, I think we've had 15 families move out here so far from all across the country, just to be a part of the church. They've dropped everything, sold everything, moved to the area. And so I don't know what the Lord's doing, but we're like, right smack in enemy held territory i can look out my back window here over my shoulder and look at mesa verde national park which if anybody's in tune uh all the occultic you know enigmatic origins of of the united states and stuff like that i mean this is the four corners region is like 
all the craziest stuff you could think of, all the from the ritualistic child sacrifice to the ritualistic abuse to the high cannibalism, uh, stargates, portals, ufology, skinwalkers, Bigfoots, the Navajo, the U, the Anastasi, all this stuff is literally right out my window. And uh, that's where the Lord took us and said, that's where I'm putting you and you're going to church plant there. And I, I still don't know what we're doing here, but by obedience each day, we just keep seeking the Lord's face. So, yep, that's uh that's where we're at. And, and we actually have a camp out here with, uh, we have like eight cabins and a lodge and a really nice shower house and put in kind of like a little music venue. And so we, we have our church plant here on the camp and then, um, we host different events throughout the year as well too, uh, for the body. So our whole thing is about building resiliency within the body of Christ. Cause I know what's coming. We, we know like the handwriting is on the wall and every single detail of our corporate reality, the handwriting is on the wall and there's nothing short of a people who know their God that are going to survive. 99% of Christians are going to be overcome by the things that are getting ready to break out. But there is a 1% that will be among those who do overcome. They are among the overcomers. They are the more than conquerors. They, they are those who know their God. They've so died to self. They so died to carnality. They so put to death the double-mindedness of their flesh. They have so much disdain and disgust for the world. They do not love the world or the things of the world. They understand the lateness hour of the hour. They redeem the time for the days are evil and they make the most of every opportunity. They have donned the armor of God. They have taken, they have obeyed the command to take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of the Lord. And they've been honing and training their hands for battle and for war, both seen and unseen on this cosmic battlefield for what's coming. And so that's why like even our desire at this campus is to train up resiliency in Christian homes and with Christian men as the warrior priests and the Christian women as radiant warrior women and with the children who are arrows in the hand of a warrior, Psalm 127, right? Because we know what's coming. And, and, uh, and the Christians are about ready when the switch gets flipped on to be the singular source of all hatred, anger, rage, malice, and murderous intent on the face of the earth. They, they've told you. They've told you they're making lists. Hillary Clinton said they're making lists and they're making fun camps. Ocasio-Cortez said they're making lists. The FBI has already told you that their number one domestic terrorist is white evangelical men who believe in the end times. DHS is actively training their agents that the number one threat to American stability is American Christians. So the handwriting's on the wall, uh, uh, beloved. The handwriting's on the wall. So then it's like, so what do we need to do to grow our roots so down deep into the gospel of Jesus Christ that we're unfazed by the manifold fiery trials that are getting ready to come onto the earth? Well, you know, it is only that 1% um, that are on the list. <laughs> yep. The other 99% of the lukewarm Christians are not, they didn't make the list. Yeah. Did they? You know, so. and it's interesting, Rob, is, is uh, you know, Pastor David Wilkerson, I'm sure a lot of listeners are familiar with him, just uh, just an anointed, um, humble powerhouse of a man, walked in the fear of the Lord the entirety of his life. And, you know, he had several very radically significant, pure words from the Lord regarding the end of the age, and in particular, the church. And and in one of his visions be, with a, a Russian-Chinese troop invasion, 
uh, uh, which which is what I personally believe is the next steps for America. But in in his vision from the Lord, as he saw the rise of two churches, a super state sponsored church. This is your Bethel, your Hillsong, your Rick Warren, your your Beth Moore, your Joyce Meyer, your you name it. Right? He said there would be the rise of this super church that would be so apostate. Yet they would use the name of Jesus ever that the government would never touch them because they have no threat. They are powerless. Power. They have the form of godliness, but deny the power thereof, right? They're totally powerless and they're infiltrated with all kinds of doctrines of demons. So they're a non-entity. And actually the government wants to see that type of Christianity flourish. But he said at the same time, what he also saw, the Lord showed him, was there was this small, meek, motley crew, ragamuffin group of Christians that was driven underground. And there was an underground church that was vibrant and radiant and resilient and steadfast. And they walked in the fear of the Lord. And and, uh, even the, the powers and the signs and wonders of the Lord went before them. And they still were actively advancing the gospel right smack in the middle of the worst of the worst of all of culmination of human history. And so I truly believe that that's what's going on now. And, you know, that's kind of like one of our uh, sub, you know, for lack of a better word, like a sub burden of the ministry is to prepare the underground church, you know, to prepare uh, uh, cities of refuge or faith havens all across the U.S. Uh, we're trying to get people organized. We're, we're getting, you know, sat phones in people's hands and getting people organized and getting people networked and, and creating, uh, the underground church because we know what's coming. And just like the Jews, you know, in, in 1936, 1937, Germany, who read the handwriting on the wall, they prepared in advance. As the scripture says, a wise man foresees trouble coming and plans accordingly, but a fool goes on and suffers for it. You know, and and they were they were doing tangible logistical stuff, knowing because of what the mass media of the age in mid 1930s Germany was saying, because of the stuff, they knew what was getting ready to happen. They could feel the spiritual fervor going on throughout Germany and a lot of other areas of Europe. And they made preparations. They were putting in the hidden rooms. They were doing the construction works. They were networking with, you know, parallel economies because they knew they were going to force out the economies. They were creating, uh, uh, you know, underground railroad type of things between different networked uh, uh, people in industry or farmers or ranchers or mercantilism or guys with boats and ships and vehicles. And the logistics were in place. And those who were wise... Because they were sensitive to the Lord, they were at the appointed time by God's leading for the Jewish people. They were able to access those things and actually get out of the major threat zones. The ones who went into the ghettos, the ones who were forced into the ghettos, is the seeker-friendly church of today. Oh, no, come on. Oh, no, we'll get oh no, it's just conspiracy. Oh, I don't want to look stupid. You know why they went into the ghettos? I kid you not. And when you do the historical research is because they didn't want to look foolish to the people around them. That's why they didn't leave. That's why they didn't raise alarm because of their pride. They didn't want to look stupid and alarmist and sensational and conspiratorial or whatever. And so they even went into the ghetto so they wouldn't look stupid. 
And and when you think about what happened, and I don't know what platforms you post this on, Rob, so I won't use the language of it. What's happened in the last three years? Why did everybody do what they did to their bodies? And why did everybody go along? And why did the churches shutter their doors? And why did they stop worshiping? And why did the pastors go to online? So they wouldn't look foolish to the next guy. It was all about the pride of their flesh. They took things into their bodies, destroying them on levels they don't understand so they wouldn't look foolish to their adult children who are God-haters. So they would be accepted by their children. They'd be accepted by their coworkers. They wouldn't be mocked by their neighbors. They'll do anything for fear of looking foolish. That's exactly what took the Jews into the ghettos. That's exactly what's going to take the apostate church into the FEMA camps. Same spirit, same posture, same thing a pride and a love of self rather than a love of God. Yep. Yep. And, and we see it every day and it's uh, so many are falling for all the, I mean, there's deception swirling around us like never before in my lifetime, but I'm encouraged because I believe the remnant is actually growing. Amen. Um, people are, people are waking up. Um, the left has the term woke. Well, people are waking up to the real thing. <laughs> yeah. So, I say that too, Rob. I say we're the true and better woke wokesters. I'm like, yeah, I'm woke, bro, but I'm like the legit woke. I'm the real woke. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, we have somebody in the studio audience uh, with their hand raised. Connie, can you get into the show? I know you tried earlier. Um, can you unmute your microphone? Up, oh, still can't do it. Anyone else in the audience have any comments or questions while we're taking this little time. Betty. Hey, Jamie. Nice seeing you again, bud. Hey, Betty. What's happening? Oh, just busy taking care of a husband, just different things. Um, I just wanted to know how your son was doing. It was amazing what he went through. Oh, you're on, well, page, you're on page 12. We're only on page two. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> then I'll just take it back. But it brought tears to me, the testimony. It was amazing. Yeah, well, we, we definitely need to get into that story, too. Um, we definitely do. Um, first of all, if we can, Jonathan, uh, producer man, uh, if you can show us our picture page that I, I sent you a link to, um, because Jamie has done, and I'm, I'm sure you've had some help, but tremendous amount of work to that camp um i wish we had you really should put up some before and after pictures jamie oh man it's it's crazy yeah it's been it's been pretty pretty nuts that's for sure yeah so are we showing this to the audience or are we just looking at it ourselves okay cool because i for some reason i don't have a monitor today i don't know why but um (laughs) Yeah, it's 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 been unbelievable what the Lord's allowed us to do, you know, and we're we came out here with nothing. And, uh, you know, our our yearly income at the time was about, you know, 15 to 18 thousand dollars a year. And again, we surrendered all the American paradigm stuff and follow the Lord. And even in that, you know, at that income level, which would be, you know, low income compared to, you know, and by most people's standards, I thought we were living living fat off a hog, right? In abundance by God's grace. And so we came out here with nothing, you know, we couldn't even put propane in the tanks as winter was coming. So we're scrambling to find used wood stoves to cut a hole in the roof, to put in a, to put in a a wood burning stove to survive our first winter out here. 
And, uh, and by God's grace, it's just, it's just unbelievable what we've been able to do, you know, and there's two of us families that live out here on the camp. And the other one is Luke Osberg and his family. And we actually met in the mission field in the DR. And, uh, he was down there for eight years doing counter child sex trafficking work. And, and that's his background. But before that he was, a he was a, a big time GC down in Florida. So I had a very successful, uh, a, a carpentry business and was a general contractor. And then I used to build houses too. So Lord brought us two together after years apart from the DR, both moved out here. This place should have been probably scraped with a bulldozer. And we just rolled up our sleeves and started doing what we could with what we had. And, and as we kept working and working and working, the Lord kept providing, we just rolled into the next project and rolling into the next project and rolling into the next project. So, so Luke and I, you know, with, with, other people have come down and helped serve at times, but you know, for the most part, it's, it's been Luke and I just grinding it out and it's been a miracle, uh, what he's allowed us to, to do in, in just a year and a half of being out here. Well, yeah, I was out there last year and, um, saw some of the progress, but now I somewhere on your website and I can't, I guess I didn't see them in those photos we just showed, but somewhere, um, there are photos of the completed work that you were in the middle of last summer. And um, you're not just, you're not just doing the basics. You are doing a beautiful job um, on, on this restoration. Yeah. So, yeah. So I, now always, you've got, I always like designing and building. So I kind of, I, people are always like, you, you do interior design. I thought you were a Marine and a ball of lawn and door kicker. I'm like, yeah, maybe that's my outlet. I get to use my, uh, I get to use my creative side. So I love, uh, designing and building and fabricating and, and we build nonstop. There was Layton. Yep, I know you're, so uh, Layton. you're friends of Layton. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then, yeah, keep, keep scrolling through those. Um, yeah, we put in a big music venue, and uh, there's some of the so cabins. Yeah, so that last that last picture was was that that room was in progress when, when yeah, I was there. Yeah, uh huh. Yeah. So, looks great. Yeah, we so do the told, glamp, glamp tent thing too. So we'll set up glamp tents for people, and hmm. you know we can do whitewater rafting in house and all that kind of stuff. So tell us what you mean by uh, the phrase faith haven. Yeah. So, so faith haven is just a word that the Lord put on my heart. Uh, actually, and, and now of course I can't remember the verse, but I, I think it's in Psalm 107 where the Lord, he, he's going through a litany of the crushing that he was constantly having to do to Israel. And he's going through and he's like, he's like, and then I crush him and then he did this. And then this happened and this, he's kind of going through a history of Israel, but then towards the end of it, he says uh, uh, they were at their wits end, right? They were uh, they were they were at their wits end, and they had no harbor that was safe until the Lord led them to their safe haven, to their desired safe haven, and there He provided for them. And so, just as I was reading that scripture, I was like, safe haven, you know, like the Lord talks about cities of refuge. He talks about safe havens, like. I, I truly believe that the Lord's going to have faith havens for his people. You know, and you read comments from like a Corey Ten Boom, both speaking of the Holocaust. A lot of you are familiar with Corey Ten Boom. And, you know, I know my my dad had the honor of getting to pray with her and spend time with her before. And she died. And and actually, I believe it was Corey Ten Boom 
who was, don't quote me on this because I could totally be mixing, jumbling up a couple of different stories. But Corey Timboon was flying with somebody. And I want, not a David Wilkerson, but somebody like that. And she was flying over the Ozarks at the time. And she made a comment that the Lord is going to provide cities of refuge or places of refuge for his authentic body. I use that qualifier, the authentic body during the time of the end. And then I believe separate from that, David Wilkerson has also had visions of like, the Lord is going to provide places of refuge at the appointed time for his people. Henry Groover, maybe some of you are familiar with Henry Groover. Henry Groover had a similar vision. God is going to provide, he's, he said he saw these like pillars of light coming out up out of the earth across different areas. He had a panorama of the continental United States and there were these pillar of lights and, and there would be troops, just masses and masses of Russian troops assaulting the U.S. from the West Coast and from the Northwest Columbia River Gorge. And as they would were sweeping across the U.S. like locusts, because the Lord was allowing them to judge America, they would hit these pillar of lights and they would break around it like water breaking around a rock. And, and they had no concept why they were doing it and what was even there, because they were supernaturally protected places by God. And so just seeing that common thread, it's where the Lord just gave me this burden to to, you know, foresee the danger coming and plan accordingly. Like the scripture says, by faith, five wise versions, five foolish versions, on and on. Jesus says, I told you about these things ahead of time so that you will not be caught unaware. You know, Jesus admonishes, I wish that you were as prudent and shrewd as the children of this age, you know, but you're not. Why aren't my people more prudent and shrewd, you know? And so he just keeps going on. And it, and so you see this litany, even Joseph as a type and shadow of, of the Lord preparing in advance a place for his people. He prepared through Joseph a place for his father's household. And little did Joseph know that it was actually the preservation of the genetic genealogy to the Savior of Jesus Christ. That's how significant Joseph's prudence was in preparing during the seven years of plenty for the seven years of famine. That it was actually unto the preservation of the foretold Savior of Jesus Christ through that genealogy. Yep, and so yep. that's why these faith havens are just, uh, just a burden that the Lord's put on me. And I tell people all the time, like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what it looks like. I have no clue. But as a body, we can navigate and figure it out together. As a body, we can work out the logistics. We can work out these things. There's all kinds of different giftings. And there's people with money and with no money. And with people who, who can, you know, weld and, and plant and dig and build and do whatever. There's people with medical. Or there's people that are nurturing and they're prayer warriors. And they, they're, they're a covering for other people. You know, there's intercessors and there's deliverance people. And there's preachers and teachers. And there's apostles and there's administrators. It's a kingdom. And so in a kingdom, there's all kinds of activity going on in a kingdom. And so I know that although I, I'm a bumbling boob of a guy with my little small, small giftings to bring forward to the body, I'm totally inadequate. But I know that as a body together, as we work this out, we can practically prepare to be a light in the darkest moment of all of human history. Yep. Well said, well said. Um, Jamie Jansen in the audience, um, do you have a question or comment? I just wanted to come back, um, I guess, to bring back how I came about meeting Jamie in Wisconsin was Rob 
if I were to drop the name Carl Frichty, the football coach in Caledonia. Yep, yep, okay. And then got onto that, your paper, and then long. So Carl introduced you to us? Correct, yep. Oh, okay, cool. A good friend of mine, Mark, and I met Jamie and Bobby Lee in Ohio Bread in Mary's Barn, I believe it was, in Wisconsin. And I just, when I saw the name, Jamie, I'm like, yep, I'm tuning in tonight. (laughs) yeah yeah that was cool that was a that was a very fun venue to training it was just their their barn up there is beautiful it's so unique you know unfortunately if you remember at the time my knee was blown out and i was supposed to be doing some some tactical training but uh but i couldn't quite perform so well you performed excellent in your speaking we didn't need the tactical side of that i guess so (laughs) thank you for guys yeah, well, thank you, and and say hi to Carl for me. I well, just I actually just emailed him today, so. But uh, I text him daily, so I'll give a shout out to him tomorrow. Okay, yeah, tell him tell, tell him to watch the show. Um, any anybody else in the audience have any questions or comments before we move things along? All righty. Oh, was that somebody? No. Okay. So, Jamie, a miracle with your son, Finn. Tell us that story. Yeah. Uh, you certainly it's, had it, thousands of people praying for you. Un- unbelievable. Yeah, it's just un- unbelievable. Hopefully, I can get through without uh, crying like a big Sally. But, uh, uh, yeah, it was uh, actually about three weeks ago now is all. And... Uh, and my 11-year-old son, Finley, I, I went to run an errand and left him in the parking lot of the bank and ran inside. He was, we rode the motorcycle in, so he's just sitting sitting on the curb by the motorcycle. And, and when I came out, he was, uh, he was laid out on the concrete, like moaning and sobbing and just, just a mess. And I couldn't figure out what was going on. And I, you know, I was like, what happened to you, buddy? I don't understand. And and I went to pick him up and he just screamed in pain, screamed in pain. And he was kind of out of it. And I couldn't fear. I mean, I was gone less than five minutes, literally. I mean, in and out. And he's laying on the concrete like that and, and uh, couldn't quite figure it out. But basically to make a short story long, but he he had decided to climb a tree on the edge of the parking lot in the bank while I was inside. Super in that short window of time. And he fell from about 15 feet uh, onto his head, right onto his head. And I didn't know this at the time. So I'm, you know, paramedic and, and like, suck it up, buddy. Like if you're not missing an arm, you're fine, you know, shake it off, rub some dirt <laughs> in it. And I'm trying to put him on my motorcycle on the back of the motorcycle. And he's just screaming in pain and he's kind of out of it, you know? And I'm like, Oh, you're fine, buddy. You just got a stinger. And, uh, so I, I put him on the motorcycle and put his helmet on. And by the time we got home, he was, he was unconscious laying on the back of my motorcycle. And, and so I, I got home and got him off the bike and took him inside and, and, and he snapped out of it and was screaming in pain more. And then he just started vomiting everywhere. And I knew like, uh Oh, he's got a head injury. He's got a brain bleed. You know? And I told my wife, I'm like, he's got a brain bleed. I got to go now. And I'm like, get him, get him in the truck and threw him in the truck, took him to the hospital. Uh, this was on a Friday evening and anyways, uh, come to find out he, he 
he had a basilar scroll, skull fracture, blood coming out of his ears. Um, uh, so he fractured his skull. And then they found uh, two broken vertebrae in his back. So he broke his back in two places. And, uh, and that's why he was screaming out in pain and stuff when he came to. And so at the time they were uh, there, but he didn't have a brain bleed, praise God. So there wasn't a bleed, but he did fracture his skull and, and had all the other secondary effects of that, you know, with uh, being concussed. And so they, the hospital here wanted to life flight him to uh, Denver which is a seven hour drive for us. And, uh, it, it, I just, I just don't trust the medical tyranny in this state. I personally know people whose kids have been taken from them, uh, because they were Christian homeschoolers and through the medical guys, they took their kids from them and they never got them back and actually put the kids into transvestites houses in hmm. permanent foster care. And so wow. knowing that, like, even though I knew his, his, his back was fractured in two places and his skull was broken, but he didn't have a bleed. There wasn't any other significant things. Um, we were consulting myself with the ER doctor and then the neurologic pediatric neuro neurological specialist in Denver. We were all having this powwow in real time. And they said, we would prefer to have him flown up to Denver, but we feel comfortable with him not like it's okay if you choose to take him home we would want him to come up here but we would allow you to take him home because you have a medical background and you need to look for you know how to look for warning signs if if he starts uh decompensating you know pretty bad so i was like okay awesome i'll take him home so uh i took him home and he was in bad shape he was in really bad shape pain wise uh just just excruciating, incomprehensible pain, not his head. He never once complained about his head, but it was his back. And, uh, and they put him in a big brace and all this stuff and said, you know, there's nothing we can do for him anyway. So you can take him home. And, and, uh, and so the next day, Saturday, uh, he didn't sleep through the night and he was in even worse shape the next day. And he really started decompensating quick where he was losing mentation uh, he, he was in and out of, I don't want to say in and out of consciousness, but in and out of, uh, lucidness would be a better word for it. And, in his body's burning up, you know, so all my warning bells are going off for, you know, a slow subarachnoid bleed is what my, my index, uh, my index of suspicion was. And so I went and started the truck. I'm like, we need to go. He's dumping them out. Knowing pediatric stuff, kids dump out quick. They maintain very well, and then they drop off a plateau, and usually you can't get them back. I'm like, we need to go. Started the truck, drove it through the yard to the front door so I could get him in the truck, get him to the ER so they could life flight him up to Denver. And so the front door is open, and the truck's sitting there running, and he's he's laying on the on the couch moaning and moaning and groaning and not even incomprehensible noises. And uh, my wife, Virginia, goes, before you take him, you know, she's weeping over him. Sorry. She said, before you take him, just stop, stop and pray over him. Stop and pray over him for like at least five minutes. Stop and pray over him. And I was like, okay, you know, so I just kneeled on the floor beside him. It's kind of laying over him like, uh, like Elijah, just laying over his body and just sobbing and sobbing and sobbing to see him be in that bad of shape. And, uh, and as I was sobbing over him, and like, oh, Lord, protect him. Oh, Lord, heal him. Oh, Lord, heal him. Heal him. You know, and I'm in the middle of sobbing over him. And the Lord rebukes me and admonishes me 
as I'm laying over, I'm sobbing and the truck's running. Literally, it's all I can hear is the truck running. And, and, um, my daughter had turned on some worship music on my wife's phone. She just, there was just some very faint worship music in the background. And, and as I'm sobbing, the Lord said, the Lord said, quit asking me to heal him. You heal him. That's all he said. And I was like, what? You know, like, I'm like in this high emotional state, like, what was that from the Lord? Like, like clear as day, stop asking me to heal him. You heal him. And I literally felt awkward and like weird and, and like I felt dumb. And, and this goes back to the, I was talking earlier about feeling foolish, like the pride of our flesh. Like I felt foolish. I didn't want to speak healing over him. I just want to ask God to heal him, you know, because you see that get abused so much with all the charismatics and the NAR movement and all that stuff, all, all that hyper emotionally predatory stuff. It gets so abused where I'm like, oh no, Lord, I'm not going to do that. And I, and I laid on him for like five, five more minutes and I just felt the convi- the conviction. And I, I had to like literally wrestle through my feeling foolish. And finally, the only thing I spoke over my son as I was laying on him, I just said, Finley, you, you are healed in the name of Jesus Christ. And, and as I said that, he started the word, I could barely even hear the worship music. And he started eking out like words. They, they weren't even words. They were noises. And I was like, and I actually didn't know where it was coming. I was looking around the house like, what is that weird noise? And I couldn't tell it was him. He was in such bad shape. He was just, they were like little utterances. And it dawned on me that it was Finley and that he was trying to, he was trying to worship. He was trying to sing the song, uh, the songs. And I was like, what in the world's going on? I was like, Virginia, turn up the music. And she turned it up. And, and then you could hear like, he was actually trying to say the words of the song. And I think it's a song he doesn't even know. And then the song got over and I go, play it again. You know, it was on a YouTube video or something, you know, and I was like, play it again. And, and it was this version of Psalm 91 that was beautiful. And she played it again. And he, and his, his eeks became mumbled words. And then he went through the song again. I said, play it again. And she played it a third time. And then his mumble words became like raspy words in the song. And it, and it went all the way through. I said, play it again. And she played it again. And all of a sudden he was singing, full on singing. And he sat up and looked at me. He sat up like he wasn't even functional. Like the truck's still running. So I'm hearing the motor <laughs> vibrating right outside the front door. And he sits up and all of a sudden he, he, he goes, I feel sick. And he puked all over the place. He threw up all over the place. And then he just smiled and he, he's in this huge, like back brace thing, you know, this big old, like turtle shell thing. And he sat up on his own, which he couldn't even move. And he smiled from ear to ear and he goes, I feel. He said, I feel better now, mama, all the pain's gone. And he oh. was like, totally, totally normal. And I was like, oh, praise God, praise God, praise God. And the Lord would give me a little word in there I'd written down in there. And and he said, when your son sits up and smile, you'll know that he's healed. And the Lord had told me that. And I didn't tell Virginia as he's starting to worship on his own. And 
do this stuff on my own. I'm like, the Lord said, when he sits up and smiles, you'll know that he's healed. And he sat up, puked all over the place and smiled and say, all the, all the pain's gone, mama. I feel better now. And so we're like, praise God. We couldn't even believe it. You know, I didn't know what to do and didn't even really know how to process it all. And finally, my son, my, my older son, who's a, a 13, he goes, you want me to go turn off the truck? I'm like, Yes, go turn off the truck. Go turn off. I'm not taking him to the hospital. They're not going to life flight him. I'm like, but I'm still like, I don't know what to do. Like his body's technically broken and his head's technically broken and his back's broken in two places. I didn't know what to do. And he started messing around with the kitten and joking around and being silly, like full restoration of his personality instantly. And and so um, fast forward, I, I was just like, I don't know what's happening, but He's like, I feel better now. The pain's gone. He's got up and started walking around and, and all this and didn't know what to do. So, so fast forward, we had to wait till um, Tuesday to see the orthopedic surgeon and specialist. So this was Saturday that this happened. So then Sunday, we're just like very ginger, like don't know what to do. Monday, very ginger with them, not sure what's going on. Tuesday, I'm like, okay, we're going to go in there. And on the way into the orthopedic surgeon, Virginia said, so what What do you think they're going to find? And I go, Seri- honestly, nothing. I don't think they're going to find anything. The Lord said he's healed. I don't know. I don't think they're going to find anything. So sure enough, we take him into the orthopedic surgeon and they redo all the imagery. So we had done CTs, CTs with contrast. All We have all the high-end imagery, multiple layers of imagery from the initial insult, from the initial injury. And then the orthopedic surgeon now, four days later, does his, redoes all the imagery. And he comes back and he's got both on the screen. And he does his little neuro exam. He's like, no pain here, no pain there, no pain. And he's like, no, 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 you know, having him do all, he's like, he's like, check, 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 you know, doing all this head to toe examination. Then he looks at his imagery and the imagery from Friday evening. And he goes, I don't know what to tell you. There's no fractures in his back. There's nothing wrong with him. There's no, there's nothing wrong with him. He's perfectly fine. He's perfectly healed. Take his back brace off and take him home. There's nothing wrong with him. We're like, praise God, no way. It was was just like, just insane, you know? And then like, so then we take him home and we're still like, this is so crazy, you know? And he's like, still wanting to be careful. He's like, I don't know. I feel like it's sore. I feel like it's whatever. I don't know what to do, you know? And then the next day he's riding his dirt bike around the property and wrestling (laughs) with us and stuff. And I'm just like, every time I look at him, like he's a miracle, He's a miracle. I just, I look at him and start crying, you know? So yeah, that's the, that's the story of Finley. So that is, uh, that's, that's the second miracle that I know of this year. Yeah. Of course, I'm sure you know about coach Dave's grandson. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, total hundred percent complete healing. Uh, Ray, Ray has a question or comment. Yeah, Jamie, uh, you know, that issue that you just discussed brought to mind scripture verses of our authority in Jesus, like Peter and John, silver and gold have I none, but what I have, I'll give you. And he has given us a gift to do that healing. Moses, that water did not part until he took action. And sometimes we think, well, we're just going to pray and let God handle it. But he said, no, I've given you the tools 
and I've given you the authority. You handle it. You do it. And I think that builds our confidence level up when we see these kind of things in action and say, yes, his word is true. And it teaches us faith. It does. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, it definitely is is a major just faith strengthening tool. And again, going back full circle to what we were talking about at the beginning of the show is that it's because the Lord knows what's coming and his people have to know him in a new way. And the Lord is in the business of doing a new thing, not a different thing. I say that all the time. He says, behold, a new thing springs up. Don't you perceive it? Like he's not in the business of doing a different thing. That's that's garbage. He always does a new thing. And I think even like with this thing with Finley and even for people that are, you know, tune into our family or whatever and 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 we're praying for him and interceding and 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 they were emphatic for our situation and stuff like that. It's like it's even doing a new thing in the body for those who are intent. Like it's a new thing. Don't you know who your God is? It, the old order, the old way of the apostate watered down church for the last hundred years, it's done. Leave them to it. But for those who truly want the Lord and are hungry and thirsting for righteousness and more of him, he says his eyes range throughout the holy earth to strengthen those whose are full who to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. And I think right now he's like, I'm about ready to do a new thing. I'm starting a new thing because you don't know what's coming and what's going to be required of you. You must know who you are in Christ Jesus and who Christ is in you. Amen. Betty, come on in. Boy, what testimonies. You know, Luke 9, 1 says he gives us the power and authority to drive out demons and to cure diseases. You know, so whatever we ask for in prayer, we need to believe that, that we will receive it and it will be ours. So about four years ago, and I really believed that your son was going to be healed because like four years ago or so, I have a brain aneurysm and it was right here. So for two weeks, I just prayed and cried and prayed and cried. And I finally came to a point, you know, whatever God, whatever your will is, let it be done. So I had all the x-rays and everything in my room and CT scan and blah, 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 you know, all, all the stuff. Yeah, and I yeah. to go see a doctor uh, that dealt with aneurysms. And uh, he walked in so slow. I'm going, that can't be good, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know. And he looks up me, at me and he says, yes, you do have an aneurysm, but it's not where you say it is. I had everything there. I saw it. It was right on the left side of my brain. And it had moved behind my eye. And he said, it's there in a cavity, never to be dangerous. No worries. If you get bloodshot eyes and a headache, it just leaked a little, but you're not going to die. I would, first I said, are you sure you're looking at the right x-rays? And then I went, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. You know? Yeah, it's amazing. I, yeah, so I really believe that if you are, you know, your heart's right with God. You're born again, and you pray. He listens. He does listen. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's, uh, it's just amazing. Harry, come on in. Well, we had much the same type of thing happen with Hadassah, my wife, where six years ago she had a brain bleed, you know, a pontine stroke. Uh, the doctors told us, you know, if she lives, she'll be a total vegetable for the rest of her life. Uh, she walked out of the hospital three weeks later. She's still with me today. And only God 
could have done that because there, there wasn't a doctor we saw that could believe that she was still around, much less moving. And you know, she's got trouble with her right side, but she still gets around. Amen. Praise the Lord. It's such a such a precious gift. And what's cool is I think the coolest thing for me is obviously like in, within our own little family unit, you know, we're praising the Lord and undone by it. But what's cool is to see how much glory God got because of it everywhere people people we like insane i'm like where'd all these people come from that are like praying for him and in tune to him and then watching what's going on or hearing the testimony or you know when the initial accident happened is like just the authentic body of christ rallying and then you know fast forward four days to get this exceedingly good good report and then to watch masses worship and glorify God. That's what it's all about. As the Lord's name was magnified, the Lord's name was exalted in the land. His fame and his renown was on everybody's lips. And it's just so cool. So cool. Yep. And I believe we're going to be seeing more and more of these type of things in the coming months and, and years. So, well, folks, we are out of time. I wish we had more time to to continue, but, uh, but the clock is the clock. So <laughs> we got to go, but you can find out more at uh, omegadynamics.org or calicobuffalobasecamp.com. Um, actually, if you go to omegadynamics.org, that'll take you to the camp. But um, tune in. Jamie, how can people help? What are your needs now and how can people help? Uh, yeah, you know, we just, we do need prayer covering. It's a meat grinder out here. You know, like I was sharing with people, it's, it's, uh, enemy territory, you know, and church planning and then doing ministry and then doing the online stuff. And, you know, just for me as a kind of a, kind of a, you know, for lack of a better word, semi solo guy doing this stuff, it's just a meat grinder. And it is easy to get to just get worn of the bone. And I know the enemy's whole name of the game at the end of the age is the wearing out of the saints. And uh, more than anything, I just need a, a perpetual prayer covering to to remain faithful and steadfast to whatever the Lord uh, would require me to the point of shedding my blood for his namesake. So whatever it takes, all in. Amen. So go to omegadynamics.org and... Um... Sign up. You can um, sign up for um, uh, newsletter, email blasts, and uh, you can also support the ministry there. OmegaDynamics.org or CalicoBuffaloBaseCamp.com. Um, so that's it. Uh, Dr. Mike will be with us uh, next week as uh, I'm going to be up to my eyeballs and work putting the new issue of the newspaper together. Um, but in two weeks, we're, we're working on putting together something really cool for you. So uh, stay tuned, and we'll see you then. God bless. Bye-bye. Thank you.